Hi, this is Rick Anthony, and welcome to the Someone You Should Know podcast, the podcast that spotlights the stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So sit back, relax, have a cold one, and get ready to meet someone you should know. Now, many of us are lucky enough to play a musical instrument. Now, there's a few that are actually proficient at it, and even a fewer number that can do it professionally. And then you've got today's guest who takes it to a totally different level. This guy is exceptional in his craft. His musical career began, would you believe, at the ripe old age of two with classical violin training. And then he played with the Buffalo Philharmonic at the age of 13. His high-energy shows have been featured live on PBS, and he's made headlines on CNN, NBC, and the New York Post. Will you please welcome today's guest on the Summit You Should Know podcast, Asher Love. Welcome aboard. Oh, how you doing, Rick? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on the show because, uh, to be honest with you, Ash, I played piano for four years, and I had no musicality. I could play the notes, but I could not make the music, and you began as a toddler, which is quite impressive. What were you doing as a toddler that saw your parents saw and said, okay, this guy's got some kind of gift? What, what were you doing? I was looking up to my older brother uh-huh. who was playing concertos, and I said, Mom, I want to play that. In her words, I don't actually know if that happened, but... That's what she reports. <laughs> okay. And then you wind up taking uh, classical violin at the age of two. What, what, what could they teach you at the age of two? Because that, that's, that, violin's not an uh, easy instrument. Yeah, I know. I'm busy most of the day just getting my diaper changed at that point. <laughs> uh, I, You know, we moved into Suzuki uh, by age three, I, I'm, as I understand it. Uh, all right. I wasn't playing an actual wood violin at two because your fingers are too small and I'm making up those instruments. Uh, so I started as a uh, on a margarine box, and then I had a rubber band serving a string, <laughs> and kind of plucked those strings. <laughs> okay, I can witness it. I can actually, I can actually get a visual of that one. That one I could talk about. Okay, all right. And then next, and then how did it progress after that? Uh, then, then I moved into my first really tiny, um, you know, classical violin, and started playing Suzuki. I actually remember Mississippi Hot Dog, uh, and you know, just playing the ABCs and learning double stops. Yeah. Very good. So, Fond memories, actually. Okay, what, what age was this now? Okay, you, you started with the margarine box at the age of two, and then at what point were you actually actually playing the, the instrument? About well, five? three and change. Three and change. Three and change. Wow. Yeah. Still impressive. Very, very <laughs> impressive. Okay, between three and 12, your, your formative years and such like that, you were obviously developing some type of style. You were, you were, you were actually taking lessons and, and learning that classical style and such. What do you remember about those particular early days? I have a lot of uh, pretty distinct memories, actually, with um, you know just actually going to formal lessons uh, weekly with my mother and um, you know progressing through the books, the Suzuki books, from song to song and each song gets a little more complicated and you shift from just quarter notes to you know and start moving into double stops and mm-hmm. eighth notes and then 16th notes as you you head towards age 13 so uh, i moved into etudes i would say around that that age uh where you're really just doing a lot of repetitive mind numbing uh, <laughs> like exercises <rehearsals>. yeah yeah <laughs> right, right right now at a point when we're riding our bikes and goofing off at the age of 13 this guy is playing with the buffalo philharmonic a high water mark early in your career what can you remember about that particular time frame uh, i remember it was overwhelming and i was you know with all these other classical professional uh musicians and and it's a big audience and pretty exciting momentous occasion um but uh, i you know i would say that the iconic venues were were probably you know the highlight of my career that's just like that's 
that's like a cool story to tell just because I, you know, started young. I didn't really start ramping it up um, until I I hit about 20 and and I was on the New York scene. And let me see, you went to college, right? Yeah, I went to college and I worked my way through college uh, with performances. You know, I sent in demo tapes by senior year of high school as I was applying, or I guess that must have been like the beginning of senior high school. There's this overlap with applications. So, and I was, you know, these orchestras were like, okay, that's pretty unique sound and you can really improvise. And that's like a unique skill that you've got. We don't have too many people around who can do that. They have a bunch of classical musicians, but not people that can play with a band. So uh, that's, that's where I got, I started to get hired to, to work. You played classical music. When did you switch to your own style of music? At what age was this? Um, I'm going to say informally around junior year of high school because uh, I started to play with the jazz band. Oh, uh, awesome. And, okay. Yeah, and I started to mic my, my violin, and, and in retrospect, that thing must have been so screeching people's ears. <laughs> but I was just so excited at the time, thinking, wow, I amplified the violin. You know, it was like such a novel concept because I'm growing up in this really traditional very rigid classical upbringing uh-huh. and you know beautiful in many ways but they these people could like scott joplin was the equivalent uh-huh. for my teachers as like improv that's not improv that's like reading off a of sheet music yeah it's ragtime it's beautiful stuff but it's not improv it's not john luke ponte joe venuti these guys are really improvising around chord changes so the chord so that stuff came around uh, junior year and then i'm going to say i started playing more heavily once I moved to Israel, actually, 2001 per year. Awesome. This is really, really interesting stuff. Now, I know our fans are chomping at the bit going, okay, let's hear some of the music. Let's hear some of the music. First song we're going to feature is Neon Dreams. How did you come up with the inspiration for this one? Uh, well, it didn't take much. It, you know, getting out of a wheelchair was enough in itself. I was, I was there for, you know, kind of stuck as a vegetable for, I don't know, many, many months. Uh, so I, I needed to write something that that was somewhat representative of my sheer joy and appreciation for regaining strength and the ability to play professionally again. All right, we're going to feature that right now on the podcast. This is Neon Dreams from Asher Lab, my guest today on the Someone You Should Know podcast.
Great music right there. Neon Dreams from today's guest on the Somebody You Should Know podcast, Asher Laub. In 2014, you started talking about this when you were, you were introducing the song Neon Dreams. You were confronted with some health challenges that impacted your mobility and your life. What exactly happened, and how did you reinvent yourself? To give it a label, it was adrenal insufficiency. So when you don't have enough uh, hormones being produced in your body, you're not really able to physically manage anything. So, But uh, to your question, uh, I just wanted to give that kind of that little preface, but but you want me to you want me to talk about um, how I shifted into Neon yeah Dreams, yeah how did you make that transition because when you look at the video you're, there, there's dancing going on and everything so I, I wanted to find out how did you make that transition from that disability that that temporary disability to actually getting yourself back to who you were and and moving on to the next phase of your musical career you know in many ways that's dancing and then when you combine that with music is like the ultimate physical expression of like the just what's going on in, in my head when I'm when I'm playing and hearing music that's just melodic and beautiful. And I never would have done this prior to 2014, but I just felt compelled to just express myself in every possible way I could and sort of in a way that that people just saw how how in, intense I wanted to feel the music. And that's kind of where it all started. And I, I actually I think it started with some requests to like work with with choreographers and, mm-hmm. and, and dancers, like, like some private events, corporate events. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And we, we started working, working in the studio and it was working pretty well. And, and, uh, I, you know, really, I gotta say it started probably in middle school, this whole like movement choreography, cause I was doing gymnastics for a number of years. So doing flips and, uh, these things came pretty naturally to me and just the whole, the physical core, physical orientation is something I, I generally excelled at starting you know riding the bike at four so it, this stuff you know with a little bit of practice it, it worked out it worked itself out pretty pretty naturally all right very good now here's a question for you you faced a disability for a, for a time there what advice would you give to anyone especially musicians who are facing disabilities now well i, I wouldn't just sort of accept uh the status quo except you know what practitioners are telling you is okay your limitations uh per se yeah i don't I, you know, you could say, well, okay, I have XYZ disease. You know, it, it is what it is. Um, it's a genetic disease, and I understand that. Um, it's just so much that you can kind of control. But, but, but if you if you hit if you have an accident or you have uh, if you have a situation that's maybe epigenetic, it's maybe sort of an expression of what 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 uh, what has happened, some trauma in your life. You can you just just don't give up and look elsewhere uh, for or just alternative options. Um, I, I was pretty much told to give up. I was on permanent dosage of Cortef, and I, oh. uh, with a whole lot of devotion, uh, I getting better, I, I was able to, because I thought unconventionally. So I'm going to say that thinking unconventionally when you're, you kind of hit a wall is useful in this case, and maybe for many other people as well. Awesome, very good. Another f- a song we're going to feature now is another song about dreams. This is called Dreaming Awake. Can you give us the background on this one? I guess that's the theme of my life here. Yeah. Um, I think, well, if you, you see the music video, it's uh, essentially, and you know, there's, there's a lot of like user-generated content around that particular song because I guess people found it to be pretty meaningful that, you know, the grass is all is already greener, you know, because I can't think of, a, of another, you know, more appropriate phrase, but uh, to kind of illustrate the song, and it always seems like somebody's got it better, and and it, that's not really the case in many in in many instances. And it's just sort of uh, about kind of lifting your head up and thinking more optimistically about your life, and realizing that you know it's uh, you know just 
we spend our lives watching TV where everything looks just rose-colored glasses, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not uh, it's not really the case. A lot of a lot of people who seem like they have perfect lives, they don't. We're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna feature the song here, and I'm also going to include uh, links to all the videos that that we've been talking about here. Those will be included in the show notes here. But "Dreaming Awake" is the song we're gonna feature right now from my guest Asher Love on today's "Someone You Should Know" podcast.
Coming awake from today's Someone You Should Know guest, Asher Love, I have to ask you, when time comes for you to write a song, does it come flooding in, or are you a disciplined writer based on the fact that you were so classically trained? Do you actually take a time to write, or do they just come flooding in? Uh, A little bit of both, and I'm going to say less writing and more audio-based. So more, uh, I'm in the studio, and I'll just kind of re-record lines over and over again until I'm deeply satisfied with what comes out. All right, I like that. Now, uh, here's, a, here's a question. You mentioned John Luc Ponti earlier. Musicians you look up to, or maybe you might pattern yourself after? Yeah, uh, he's definitely probably the, the biggest one that comes to mind. Um, as cheesy as I thought Yanni was growing up, the older I got, the more I appreciated <laughs> his pr- incredible production skills, uh-huh. his ability to sort of like popularize classical in many ways and to just like work with the most brilliant musicians in the world so doing orchestral productions such as the the 26 piece production i just made lord of the rings um cover three th- it's a medley of three different songs nori brandyfoot gab gab um galadriel that song is actually on my website that's the the newest release that is aside from it being directly from bear mccreary uh yanni is a big influence in that respect in terms of improv back to back to what we were mentioning uh, I, I got a lot of respect for David Garrett, guys like him, crossover mm. violinist, yeah. beautiful tone and, you know, actual, absolute virtuoso like that of Etoch Perlman, but really knows how to cross over into, into pop, pop music. All right. Any musician you'd love to play with? What would, I guess you'd say, let, let's talk about 2023. What's on your bucket list? Is there someone you'd love to play with or something you'd really like to do in 2023? I was going to say Chick Corea, but I just, you know, he passed away, I think it was last year, but that would have been my bucket list for sure. I mean, there's just like a, an endless list of, of performers I could, uh, I I would love to perform with, you know, John Mayer, I don't know, but uh, is there like one person in particular? Honestly, my bucket list would be to, to do a really nice long tour featuring my own music. Um, it's supposed to sort of be an appendage to some, some celebrity. I've, I play with many celebrities and that that's cool and it's exciting, but uh, I kind of look into to do some, do more what's unique to my tone and my sound. Because uh, everything these days seems to be about vocals, mm-hmm. and I think that there's a whole lot of value to be provided in uh, instrumentals. All right. Let's talk about uh, where people can find your music and your website and such. Could you give us uh, the links to your social media that we can include in our show notes? What's what's a good one to go with first? Uh, Ashlaub.com is the easiest. All right. A S H E R L A U B. That that'll kind of that branches out to all the other platforms, and <clears throat> which my my music is found all over the place. So you can check me out on Instagram, Asher Lob, uh, Facebook, and TikTok, Asher Lob, Spotify. Just search my name. I'm pretty much the only Asher Lob out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> These are iTunes. You know, like all, all the all the major platforms. Awesome. You'll see a lot of those in the show links. We'll include, like I said, the uh, the links to the videos that we were talking about earlier, and also to his. Uh, I'll I'll you'll you'll see the full list of things down there. You definitely will get a chance to see just about everything that Asher's got going on right now. Anything we missed before uh, we uh, close up the show? Um, yeah, I don't know if I mentioned that the Lord of the Rings, which I, I had released, is not on all major platforms. It's only on Ashalab.com at this point <clears throat> because of licensing reason, um, reasons, waiting for Sony to give me approval since it is, in fact, a cover. All right, got that. So I just want to let no, people know that. All right, uh, we're going to wrap up the show with Atlantis. We are all familiar with Atlantis. What is your take on Atlantis? Uh, that's kind of a, a story about the, the ups and downs in life and uh, riding the wave, so to speak. You know, the lows and the highs are inevitable, but and that's not something we can control, but we can control sort of our perception and the way we feel and react to those highs and lows. It starts kind of ominous in the beginning, 
rises to a climax and it's cyclical, just like life is. I think there's something beautiful about that. And I'm hoping that, you know, people can kind of use that as inspiration in their own lives without the lyrics, because it doesn't really tell you what to think or how to feel, but it kind of gives you the, gives you the feeling through the, through the music and the melody. All right. Asher Love's been my guest today on the Someone You Should Know podcast. Asher, it's been a treat to have you on, man. And especially for the music. You're going to absolutely love this guy's music. Uh, it is, I mean, granted, this is this is Christmas time. This is not Christmas music, but this is just damn good music <laughs> you can hear any single day and just enjoy. I was playing it for my wife last night, and she was enjoying it. And uh, I think you're just going to love this guy. Check him out. Go to the links below and check out everything that Asher's got going on. And uh, if he happens to be coming to your town in 2023, or beyond, make sure you check him out. The guy's got a lot of energy, and he's just very, very talented. Asher, thanks for being on the show, man. I really appreciate this. Oh, Rick, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for the opportunity.
Hi, this is Rick Anthony thanking you again for listening to this episode of Someone You Should Know. Now, if you're an aspiring musician or an established musician that's looking for a little exposure, I invite you to drop us a line at someone you should know podcast at gmail.com. That's someone you should know podcast at gmail.com. Also, I invite you to tell a friend about the Someone You Should Know podcast. I thank you for tuning in this time and I invite you to check us out next time on the Someone You Should Know podcast because you never know who's going to show up. Until next time, remember, God loves you and so do I.